Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. You will not fulfill God's plan for your life by yourself. You, you can't fulfill God's plan because God didn't design us as just individuals kind of separate and different to other people. He designed us actually as a body. Your hand can't perform without the brain. And just the same as you this morning, it isn't just becoming and just kind of going off and doing your own thing. No, we're connected to a body. What is God's view of love and what does he teach us about love? Love is not an option, it's a command. We will learn from Pastor Mark that love is a verb. It requires action more than words. It's more than flowers and candy. It requires action and sacrifice. Pastor Mark will show us that love without action is not love at all. Christ is the greatest example of love. God designed all people to believe and then belong to His family. We must become others-focused. And sometimes this means sacrifice and service. It means giving of ourselves, our time, our energy, sometimes even our money. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in the book of 1 John chapter 3, verse 16, with part one of our message entitled, Spiritually Healthy Indicators. This is the time of the year where, especially for students and for all of us, we you have to take a medical. You have to have a go to the doctor and get a medical before you go to school. And I don't know if they do that anymore, but they did when I did. And of course, you as an individual get go to the doctor once a year, don't you? And you get a, a physical. Now, one of the things you do when you get a physical is they set you down in a chair, send you to another room, and this lady says, uh, put your arm out here. And then she gives you a little ball, and you start squeezing the ball. How, how many know what I'm talking about? What are they going to do next? They're going to take this needle that's about that big, and they're going to put it in your arm. How many of you watch when they put that in your arm? How, how many of you watch? Praise God. That's good. And I say, no, a little more over this way, a little more. Ah, yeah, that's right. How many of you don't like to watch? It's your blood. What's wrong with you? Well, they keep drawing until, like, there's nothing left. You're going, ah. And about three days later, the doctor will call. And he'll say, here's the results of your physical. And maybe your LDL, cholesterol, is well 130. Well, you're going to be in trouble because you have to change your diet. And LDL, we used to think should be 100, but now it should be 70 and below. Some of you get a, a diabetic thing, and the doctor goes, is diabetes running your family? If you hear that, you're going, whoa, because your blood sugar is way out of range. So you're going to have to do something about it. For that person with cholesterol, you're going to have to watch their fats. For that person with diabetes, say, raise your hand with me. Raise your hand with me. Now. Come on, everybody raise your hand. Say goodbye to sugar. Goodbye to sugar. 
That's exactly what's going to happen. So this morning, I want you to put your hand out like this, this morning, that's right. (laughs) Jesus is going to draw our blood. And you're going to see three things that we have to confront this morning. Three spiritual healthy indicators. How many know when the rubber hits the road? Anybody ever hear that? When the rubber hits the road. What does that mean? Well, I looked it up because I was not sure exactly what it meant. It says this. Something is about to begin. It's time to get serious. It's going to be put to the test. It's the moment of truth. So this morning and next week, we're going to look at three moments of truth, three areas in your life spiritually where the rubber hits the road. We begin in 1 John 3.16. Now, when you read 1 John 3.16, it reminds you a lot of John 3.16. Look at it. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. Then here's the part that applies to us big time. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and our sisters. First healthy indicator you want to write this morning is this. Write it down at all of our campuses. If I'm spiritually healthy, then I am going to be personally involved with This church family. I'm not going to be indifferent. I'm going to be personally involved with this church family. Now, some of you have a church background, and you've heard this term often. They're a church hopper. How many have heard the term? They can't ever find the perfect church, so they keep changing churches. Why can't they find the perfect church? Because they're not perfect. So, you have to understand there's a church that you should be part of. That's the way God designed his church. So in this verse that we just looked at, you see the greatest example of love in the world. Jesus died for us, for every sinner, before you knew him, before I knew him. He demonstrated that love simply by dying for mankind. But he doesn't leave it there. John says, well, there's the role model You should imitate Jesus. You and I should lay down our lives for other Christians. Well, that's not a common thing that we see here in the States. We do see that overseas. There's lots of martyrs overseas for Christianity. So what does that mean? I'm probably not going to physically die for you. Well, how can I show you that I really love you then? Well, you're going to see today that I'm going to have to die to my wants. I'm going to have to die to my selfish traits and serve you. So let me show you how that begins. First thing I want you to write after that healthy trait is this. God designed every single person in the world to, first of all, believe, believe in him, and then That isn't it. See, many people think, well, I'm going to become a Christian, and that's it. No, that's just the beginning. We're to believe, and then we're to belong. That's what he's talking about. You see, right at the beginning of time, when God created Adam, God stopped, and he said this, it's not good for man to be alone. Now, of course, he's talking about marriage, but it's broader than marriage. When Jesus Christ died, 
how can I have a relationship with him? Well, I have to repent and believe. And then the Bible says all those people that do that, they become, they become what? They become children of God. We join the church of God. We are placed in the family of God. And that is really a local family. At all of our campuses today, we're part of the family of God. Now, here's the thing that most Christians don't understand. You will not fulfill God's plan for your life by yourself. You, you can't fulfill God's plan because God didn't design us as just individuals kind of separate and different to other people. He designed us actually as a body. Your hand can't perform without the brain. And just the same as you this morning, it isn't just becoming... And just kind of going off and doing your own thing. No, we're connected to a body. This is where the rubber, say it with me, this is where the rubber hits the road. So what does that look like? Let me show you. We have in our campuses five C's. Take a look at this one. And ask yourself, are you doing this? Notice, we have to connect to others in personal, vibrant relationships. You have to make sure that we're connected to one another. Why? Because God designed the church not as a building. Pastor Mark, I'm connected. I come every Sunday. It's not a building. It's a body. It's, it's not an organization. It's a living organism. It's people. So let me challenge you. Many of you, thousands of you, are practicing love in, in a small group, whether it's a study group, or whether it's a community group. We have all those starting again. Some of you ha- as yet have not done that. So let me challenge you this morning. This is where you lay down your life for your brothers and sisters. See, I need you and you need me, and we need to be in a small group. I just told you I have an accountability partner. Every week I talk to Pastor Carl, maybe an hour at a time. We just talk. I can't be in a small group because he lives on the other side of the state. But my small group is the elders. I meet with the pastors, every pastor on staff. I meet with them for one hour every single week. And then the main guys, the the guys over most of the ministries, I meet with them individually every week or every other week. Why? Because that's our accountability. You need to be in accountability group. So we have community groups. They're coming up. The group link's coming. And we have lots of small groups. So let's just look at it. Our, Our last key this morning is be a doer of the word. You say, well, Pastor Mark, you're always talking about this. Hello. Yes, I am. Now, turn with me to Philippians and watch what Paul says. Let me show you another benefit of this. This is amazing. Philippians chapter 2, you see where it is. As you're turning there, let me ask you to write one more thing. If I'm going to get into a small group, is it going to cost me? Yes, it is. It's going to cost me my time. I don't want to be in a small group. I want to be by myself. Well, that's where we have to die to ourselves. So write this next statement down. If I'm going to be personally involved and not independent, not aloof, it's going to require of my life sacrifice, going to require time, and it's going to require service. Because I'm going to be in that group, not just to sit there, I'm going to be in that group to serve, to help when they reach out, to listen, to pray for other people, to, to be a contributor as We talk about the sticky notes. That is simply going to cost me. Now, watch what Paul says. Philippians chapter 2. If you have any encouragement, all of our campuses, listen. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, 
If any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, and we have all those things, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy, Paul says, make my joy complete by you then being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. I just want to say to you this morning, God designed his family to live in love and unity. Instead of trying to do life alone with our agendas, we're to come together to do God's agenda. Now, that's huge. And you guys are amazing. Because when you come into this church, we're far from a perfect church. Any campus, when you come in, you can feel unity and joy. Can you? Does anybody want to be here today? Well, sure. Why would you come? It costs you to come. So there's unity and there's joy. Now, just this last weekend, Congress went home. Will it make any difference? I'm not political. Sorry. Republicans, Democrats, independents. Will it make any difference if they went home? No, because they didn't do anything when they were in session. Am I right? Now, why? Because they're not united. They don't have one purpose. We have one purpose. Bring people to Christ, make Christ known, and make them disciples and change the world. That never changes. God help us to get a country that can be together. But Paul says, when the unsaved world comes into a church, and it's far from perfect, but they're together. There's worship together. There's teaching together. There's learning together. It shouts to the world. Wow, there's hope for me. How can these people, they're all so different. How can these people, I gave an interview uh, on Friday to Florida Today newspaper. You know, there's a new book out I'll talk about in a couple weeks. Number one thing, it's a ridiculous book. It's a book that from a a supposedly Christian who converted back to Muslim and he writes about Jesus. And pretty much everything he writes about Jesus is, is totally a lie. And of course, it's number one now on the New York's bestseller. But then he said this. The reporter, I don't know him. He says, your church is known as people from all kinds of ways of life and colors and personalities and countries and whatever. I said, yeah. (laughs) He said, well, that isn't normal. I said, well, it's supposed to be normal because we're all family. Who cares where you're from? Who cares what language you speak? Who cares what, what you do for a job? We're all one under Jesus Christ. And I quoted scripture and went on and I'm just witnessing like crazy, man. Thank you for being together. It doesn't matter. We're one under Jesus Christ. So see, that's a huge thing. And I want you to see this. I just shed it to you, but you need to see it because I kind of shouted it to you. Our love and our unity, it shouts to a world. They're divided about everything that somehow they can belong. If you're here this morning, not a Christian, you can belong to the family of God. It's not about Calvary Chapel. It's about Jesus Christ. And so we'll give you a chance at any of our campuses to become part of us. It's wonderful to see what happens. That hope is huge. Let's go back to 1 John where you were, 1 John three sixteen, And I want to read 16 and then 17 because you need it together to see what happens. John says it like this, all of our campuses. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. And then in verse 17, he gives us a way to die to self. He gives us a way to lay down our lives for others, to imitate the model of Jesus. Look at verse 17. Pay attention. Listen to me. If anyone has material possessions 
and sees his brother in need, but has no pity on him. How can the love of God be in him? Here's the absolute second indicator you don't want to write down. Number two, compassionate. If I'm spiritually healthy, Jesus has just drawn my blood, then he's going to see from me that I'm compassionate and generous. That's my lifestyle. The word compassion means I have sympathy, I have mercy, I have empathy. Now notice, this is a way we can lay our lives down for others, by giving to those who are in need. Now look at me, need is broad. People have needs, all of us. We live in a world, all of us have needs. Physical, emotional, spiritual, financial. Life beats us up, every single one of us. So I'm going to focus on the generic word need, but I'm going to a little talk about financial need too, because I think that's important. But the need that we're going to see there, I should have compassion for people, and I'll discover that in small groups. See, looking out here today, I I can't discover the needs. But in a small group where people share, we can discover it. And it's easy then to have that compassion and mercy and empathy. In fact, one day, Paul wrote it like this. Therefore, as we have opportunity in Galatians 6, let us do good to all people, not just believers, especially to those who belong to the family of God. Now, when we talk about basic needs, physical kind of needs, what are we talking about? Food, clothing, and shelter. In other words, the necessities of life. Let me give you two cautions this morning. This challenge to us in the scripture does not mean that we just indiscriminately give to everyone. Here's why. Sometimes people's needs are actually their wants. So they say, you have this, I want that. Well, no, I'm not, I'm not commanded to give to their wants. I'm commanded to meet their needs. Those of you that have college students will understand this principle. Sometimes giving money to a person will harm them more than help them. I was just reading in my Bible study this morning. I'm kind of doing the, uh, the one-year Bible, different path. And, and basically in Proverbs, it said this. If you give money to one of your grandchildren too soon, it'll ruin them. Talking about retirement and things you're going to give them. How true is that? How many kids have been ruined because people gave them their inheritance way too early? It's like the car you want to read. Just spend it yourself. No, I'm going to balance that. So when you begin thinking about the scripture, I have to be careful. I just don't indiscriminately give to people. Because sometimes it's not good to them. So how do we help people here financially? Well, lots of ways. But one of the ways we help them is to get them into a course on how to handle their money. Because see, if you give money, and you always have to do that initially because they're going to not pay the rent, whatever, we do those kind of things. But long term, what do I want to do? I want them to learn what? How to handle money. Whose money is it? It's God's money. So we have a course. We have lots of different ways for you to get involved. Because it's no good if you have 12 credit cards and they're all maxed, you will never enjoy life because you're in bondage. So we teach people how to get out of debt. So eventually then you can what? Help others. Second caution I have is this. If I said to you this morning on all of our campuses, we're going to meet every single need in all of our counties where our campuses are starting tomorrow morning. Do you think that's possible? 
Absolutely that's not possible. I learned that many years ago. I took with me like 200 pennies when I went to Haiti, just for fun to give to the kids. And I got off the plane, and here come the kids. In about two minutes, I had no pennies left. There was another thousand kids. It remi- I can't meet every need. This church can't meet every need. So what do we do? Well, here at CCM, we do care, and we do make many needs through our benevolence program. Now, our benevolence program is funded by you. As you give, part of that goes to the benevolence, helping people who have needs in our church. But outside the church, we also help. There's many organizations outside the church, social organizations, food pantries and clothing things and Salvation Army and women's shelters. We give to them routinely. Why? Because they can actually do it better. And we give to them. So we're not just meeting the needs of people here in our church, which we do, but we're trying to meet the needs of the others. Now, We have to learn to do that because the Bible says we'll always have the poor with us. So we do it, not because we have to, we do it with compassion. Now, look at what Jesus did. One day, when Jesus was looking at people, he was our role model for compassion. Look what it says in Matthew right here. Matthew 9, 6. When he, Jesus, saw the crowd, he had compassion on them. He felt for them. Because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. You see, the need that he saw was, of course, spiritual. But more than that, he saw it. Why do we sometimes not see people's needs? Because our life is so busy. Then we go right by it. You'll see that perfectly. Hold on to that thought because the last passage of Scripture we're going to... People see a need, they just walk right on by it. That's one of the reasons in a small group when you see a need, they're sitting across... They're people you know. And you can have that compassion much more easily by walking into their shoes because you see them every week and now you see them hurting. Now, I I have to be compassionate. Healthy signal. Healthy indicator. But I also have to be generous. Now, when you open the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, we discover something. God is a giver. God so loved the world, say it with me, that he he gave. When Adam was formed, he took dirt, formed Adam, and he breathed into him life. God loves to give good gifts to his kids. Every single day, we constantly experience God's generous giving to us. Now, there's a problem. God is a generous giver. He never holds back. He's not stingy. He's a generous giver. But I was born with a sin nature. So were you. Because of that, my sin nature is not to be a giver. My sin nature is to be a taker. Are you connected? Pastor Mark asked us this very question. It's part of the five C's of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. It's important for God's people to get connected to other Christians and then stay connected. God designed the church not to be an organization, but a body of believers. We were created to belong to a church family. We need each other, and this requires sacrifice and love. Social media is a huge blessing that most of us use every day. We want to encourage you to become our Facebook friend and follow our Twitter feed. 
At the Facebook page and Twitter feed, we post information about upcoming events, discipleship articles, and encouraging quotes that will inspire you in your walk with Jesus. Log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links to the Calvary Chapel Melbourne Facebook page and Twitter feed. Or simply search for Calvary CCM on Facebook or Twitter. We even have a specific Facebook page for the Vieira Campus. Simply search for Calvary CCM and you'll see the Vieira Campus Facebook page in the search results. Again, to like our Facebook page and subscribe to our Twitter feed, log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Again, our web address is LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Next time on Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark asks if you are a generous giver. Not just your money, but a giver of your time, your talents, and your possessions. God wants us to live a life full of compassion. He wants us to have a generous lifestyle. After all, doesn't everything we have come from God's goodness? Then Pastor Mark asks us, shouldn't we be more willing to give it away so that we might serve others? We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Mark continues teaching through the book of 1 John. That's next time on Lessons for Living. Our eyes have seen and our ears have heard His word made flesh in a hurting world A new hope He is giving Lord, let us hear your lessons for